to this week's episode of the Cajun Podcast. It is, of course, the 6th of May 2020, which marks that just two days ago we got the fantastic news that Nick Cage will be playing Joe Exotic in the CBS 8 Pass series based on the life of the Tiger King. And I, for one... Um, ecstatic about this so it's, it's genuinely a casting choice that I didn't even think about at all uh, when it was first bounded about that there was potential that this would be turned into some kind of drama comedy adaptation I thought wow it's obviously got to be someone else uh, David Spade I know has been bounded around a lot as has Danny McBride but to think of Nicolas Cage as this role as Joe Exotic is just something that I don't think we've ever seen him do. That kind of character, just for one, him even playing a queer character is something completely out of the box for Nicolas Cage. And I personally think it comes on the back of this kind of resurgence he's having by taking interesting roles and doing interesting things with them. Uh, even if we look back just a couple of years to... Panos Cosmotis's Mandy, or even like some of the work he has coming up. So uh, Willy's Wonderland that's uh, scheduled to come out this year. God knows whether we'll actually be able to see it. Or even Prisoners of Ghostland, uh, which, yeah, is going to be directed by Japanese director Sion Sono that just looks like it's going to be crazy. Just And Nick Cage himself said that's one of the craziest things he's ever done, which is a big thing coming from him. So... This role as Joe Exotic could be really interesting. I've already seen online there's a lot of deriders, a lot of haters on, on the subject. Um, as I've always said on this podcast, I, I never went into this as kind of some kind of Nick Cage fanatic. I've, I've been won over by the guy. And I will find it really interesting to see what he does with the role. Um, and it's, yeah, it's going to mean uh, some longevity in this podcast. So that's a whole new territory we will be delving into in the fact that it will be his first TV role, which is a fascinating landscape anyway at the moment. It seems TV, there's so much interesting stuff going on, whether that's uh, Succession or even in the comedy world, mentioning Danny McBride, so uh, The Righteous Gemstones, which I think if it went for that kind of tone could be done really well. And it's my initial thoughts when this was kind of being banded around that this was... A potential series i thought the kind of jody hill uh david gordon green danny mcbride trio could do something really interesting with that property but obviously this is cbs and it's going to be by the showrunner of american vandal the netflix um series so yeah and it's different to the kate mckinnon um scripted one that's going to be based on the wandery podcast series so i'm just gonna until we hear something new i guess we're all just gonna have to keep keep our keep a lid on it and just see what happens but yeah I'm, i want to say i'm really excited and if you're excited or even if you hate the prospect of nick cage playing joe exotic please drop me a line on social media so it's at caged in pod wherever you find that yeah facebook twitter or cagedinpod at gmail.com just 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 tip tap type me a little email and we'll have a little chat about 
what you guys think. I'd love to be able to hear it, and I'd love to just have the conversation with you guys. So, today, we will be looking at Season of the Witch, and I had the absolute pleasure of being joined by Joe Gardner of Tonight with Bob and Joe, uh, which is a fantastic podcast. If you guys haven't listened, you can find those guys wherever. They've actually just relaunched a new series uh, called The Infinite Pub Crawl, which you can watch on YouTube. Um, and it's great. It's a great concept. They had this idea that they wanted to drink in every pub in Brighton Town. Obviously, that has been put on hold for the time being with everything that's going on. And there may not be all the pubs that they once wanted to drink in available once this pandemic is over. But they have got 12 episodes in the bag already and they will be releasing those. And I, I recommend them wholeheartedly. They're fantastic guys. They've been ever so supportive of this podcast since we met. And both of them have guested on, on the podcast. Bob especially has guested on the podcast. But today I have the absolute pleasure of having Joe on the podcast. But before we see what this slice of mystery magic has to offer and now around the cage in this time period seems to be dipping around in obviously last week we had sorcerer's apprentice where nick cage played the 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 titular sorcerer this week however he plays a crusader in season of the witch but before you hear me and Joe talk about it, obviously, I have to look to some magic of my own. I have to look at the Anagram Hunter and see what he has to say about this movie. And does it predict whether this will be a good movie or a bad movie? So, the Anagram this week for Season of the Witch is The Fast Show on Ice. I believe this is a reference to the popular British sketch comedy show from the 1990s starring Paul Whitehouse, Charlie Higson, Simon Day, Mark Williams, John Thomas, Arabella Weir and Caroline Ahern. Is this a mystic vision of what season of The Witch will behold upon us? Uh, from looking at the DVD case and the poster, there's a lot of fire. So I don't know whether Cage will be on ice and I'm not sure if we'll get to see Arabella Weir or Paul Whitehouse at all. But there's only one way to find out and that's to watch the movie. And I will obviously tell you at the end whether Far Show on Ice gives us any indication whether this will be a good thing or whether it would have been much better to watch Far Show on Ice as opposed to Season of the Witch. As always, you can... Check out what the Anagram Hunter is doing up on Twitter, and that is Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter for all of your Anagram needs. So, with that out of the way, it's time to do one thing, and that's to get Raging with Cage. Two unlikely partners leave their post, soon to be punished unless they do what a shady organisation tell them to do, tasked with the transportation of a misunderstood girl from one town to another. Mishaps ensue. No, I'm not talking about a number of 80s buddy cop movies. Of course, I'm talking about the crusade-set horror-inflected action-adventure movie Season of the Witch. Cage is back in the realms of magic after Sorcerer's Apprentice from the same year. He's not the only one. I have the returning guest and tonight with host Joe Gardner with me. How are you, Joe? 
That was fantastic, man. That was great. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm holding up all right. I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm doing a lot of lot of record. Yeah, doing a lot of this. Doing a lot. Yeah, of you that. should be. Should be. I listened to. Um, I listened to your last one today. I think. Did you put that out today? Oh, yeah, um, I put out two this week. So uh, yeah, recently, it was the one today. I've recently started. Um, for those of you who might not have listened a new like series of interviews so like every maybe fortnight uh, i'll release like a little interview special with weird and wonderful people i've found who have some link to nicholas cage and stuff. yeah i love it i love it <laughs> i really love that guy he's a cool guy so joe before we get on with season of the witch um obviously... that's it season of the witch man right <laughs> <laughs> I should I should have maybe asked you this before because you are as I said you are a returning guest. But are you a Nicolas Cage fan? Yeah, man. Yeah, I am a Nicolas Cage fan. But I, I don't know. You know, obviously talking to you, you're the you're the Nick Cage, <laughs> like you're the enthusiast. I, I don't know. I don't know much about him, and I don't even know if I've seen many of his movies. Really, like the ones that come to mind are ones I've watched with you, and um, <laughs> or or because you've told me to, and um apart from like world at heart i've seen world at heart that's awesome uh what else i love him man world at heart is very much like a a staple for especially gentlemen of our age and of our demographic of uh yeah quote unquote trying to be cool guys yeah yeah you've got you've got the trifecta of david lynch (laughs) and nicholas cage doing an elvis impersonation what's not to love right yeah so like yeah i I really do like nicholas cage but i don't know much about him and also the more movies i watch of his it's never it's never with him it's never a a problem with him or his acting particularly but it is usually a problem in where he is what he's doing why is he doing this movie (laughs) i thought he was like in my mind i think cage is just like right at the top there like proper a-list like super celeb actor of our generation and then you see him in like utter trash that makes no sense but i'm fascinated with it well this is one of them and uh, like looking at the cast and like just looking at the premise of this it should be gold do you know what I mean? Like, Man, that's what I thought. I thought it was going to be really good. I couldn't believe it was in it. Yeah, they kept popping up. Apart from, like, Nicolas Cage, we have Ron Perlman, Stephen Graham, Stephen Campbell Moore, who plays the, uh, uh, I think, the monk with the fantastic haircut. The uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. We have, like, Claire Foy in her first ever performance as the witch of the title. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah we'll get into that. And Robert Sheehan, who obviously like made his name on uh, British TV as yeah, I know him as Misfits guy, the Misfits yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've got a, I've got a little story, maybe about him, not a story, but I think my brother went on a stag do, and that actor was on the stag do with them. Fantastic. And uh, and apparently he was comp- like a complete asset to stag material. He was a total lunatic, apparently, which is I'm sure what you're after on a stag. That is fantastic. I, like, yeah. I would love to have heard. Like, I'd love to hear if there's any like stories of him and Cage on the set of this or something. But from the performance we get from Nicolas Cage, I don't know. He seems very toned down from the Nick Cage that I know. Especially, I was gonna. Cage. Yeah, I, that's a really that's that's it. It's basically he's not doing anything. 
It's really <laughs> quiet cage. And you're like, what's going on with this? So, yeah, to like start from the beginning, really, like, well, not, yeah, not just break it down beat for beat, but like, first of all, where this is set. So it's like in the, uh, it's like, uh, 1235 AD, like around that time, during the height of the Crusades. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that I found baffling about this film, like to start off with, is just like it doesn't know what kind of film it wants to be. Like we have these fight sequences, like battle sequences of the Crusades that almost look like the Immortals or like 300, this kind of glossy CGI uh, uh, landscapes are just like a, a multitude of like yeah like it's got this it's got this gladiator thing going on i mean it's certainly no gladiator but it's got it's got these big groups of people fighting i mean you're certainly right in it not knowing what what it does i noticed that in the first like in that first bit where it starts off and you've kind of got cage and perlman and they're sort of like chummy knights they're like obviously really good obviously massive and they're like best mates and they're like talking like you know who's good whoever kills the least pay gets the drinks tonight you know you well, see yeah. that yeah i think the first thing that like really stood out to me was um ron perlman has like a perfect haircut and nick cage is, it's beautiful it's, it's beautiful haircut is man it's it's grown out but it's bleached it's <laughs> yeah, clearly it's like bleached <laughs> golden blonde locks like, do you know where they are in the Crusades? Because I don't know if I recognise the names of the places or, or if they're like ye olde names and it's just fict- fictitious sort of like, as they would call what they, I don't know, barbarian lands or whatever the Crusaders thought they were up to. I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess I guess they are real, like they would have been real places or I don't know if they are completely fictitious. Like, yeah, a lot of them, like not to insult any other cultures, but just look like a mash of like too many consonants next to each other and i was like yeah uh, yeah that doesn't even look like it It looks like someone's keyboard yeah (laughs) it's that kind of thing so i don't know um yeah they did i didn't recognize any of those names yeah but yeah and then it kept it then it cuts to they're having this huge brawl and they're like chopping people up and it's not even good chopping so there's no it's not like braveheart or anything like that it's it's no good and then it cuts to the pub and they're just wildly laughing with prostitutes all over them for just a second yeah, and then back again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I was fucking, I was cracking up immediately. We see them, we see them fighting through the seasons, don't we? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, just kind of, and like the years rolling by, but it just kind of, their, their interaction together, just like I said in the intro, like harkened me back to like a kind of like Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy in like 48 <laughs> hours or, 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 or Riggs and Murtor in Lethal Weapon, and it's like I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, it's like it it doesn't quite make sense. Like some people are very much speaking in the dialect of the time. Like, hello, sir. Yes, um, ye come forward now, and 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 then there's these two kind of going like, <laughs> oh hey, hey. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, he goes to him. He goes, um, you ever get that feeling that God has too many enemies? whilst they're fighting because they have to essentially they have to kill everyone and then he's like ah i can't remember what he says actually nick replies he's like being his friend ain't too easy either (laughs) you're like what the fuck is going on yeah so we got this one we've got this historical backdrop then we've got this hard-boiled cop 
like dialogue that just doesn't meld together and then this like plot that is something straight out of like i don't know it felt to me very much like an episode of something this is completely bizarre man a very thin plot for a film it is travel from point a to point b with a witch so they basically they leave don't they these two leave um i don't I can't remember how your show works. Should I not give too much up or it doesn't really matter? Oh, it's, we it's, could spoil it out. Yeah, we could spoil yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. So these guys, these guys leave the Crusades because they're sick of killing <laughs> the people that the Crusades have to kill. Nick Nick and Perlman are like, they throw that to the wind. But then they get caught for being people that have left the Crusades and then they get charged to take this witch that's brought on, which I thought, you know, a plague. It's all about a plague that's plaguing the place, you know. And um, they ha- they think it's the witch, so they take the witch from here to some other monks, and they have to do it, otherwise they're going to be killed for treason or whatever, right? Well, well I That's got it. excited as well, because whilst looking at the cast list for this before watching it, I was like, oh, Christopher Lee's in it. <laughs> I don't even know if I, if I can remember him in it. Well, Christopher Lee is the cardinal who sends them on their mission. To be fair... That that bit isn't that bad. I mean, he had some brilliant makeup on as well. That but was that, grim. That that's the thing. You've got Christopher Lee. He's like literally laying down. Like I I, I get he was old at this point, um, but he's laying down under a two ton of prosthetics, and it's like it's a blink and you'll miss it performance. Like <laughs> I didn't even know it was him. I didn't know it was him. Man, and also what's weird about that, I think they had like all these, it's very like occult-ish, like so it goes from being sort of schlocky and then all of a sudden there's like all of these masks, like those dick nose mask guys, like the monks around and you're like, whoa, is this going to get interesting? And it doesn't, it doesn't, you're like, oh no, they took them all off. They take all their masks off, it, yeah. And then it's it kind strange. of, like when they decide they're going to they're take the quest because they'll get pardons, then it like, does another left turn into like I don't the Lord of the Rings almost, where they're kind yeah, of like me. getting the gang together to go on <laughs> their merry way. Yeah, you son of a bitch! Like, like, and it's yeah, like that, that's when we're introduced to Stephen Graham's character, like a fantastic actor, like in his own right. Mm-hmm. But in this, massively underutilized and just yeah. kind of like. Yeah, you could put that underutilized all the way through, in fact, because Cage, it gets to about an hour in or something, and you you realize that Cage hasn't done anything Cage-like. And you think, what kind of director doesn't use, a ca- use the Cage, man? Like, use him. Well, what is, what's really interesting about that as well is this is uh, directed by Dominic Senna, who actually directed right. Gone in 60 Seconds. Ah, so he is... Yeah. He has had the good pleasure of working with Nick Cage before and knows knows the capabilities of the man. Yet he just kind of like felt like gets him to do nothing. The only thing I can think to that point is this film underwent serious serious reshoots. Oh man, you can you can it, it, it's all over it. You can tell not only reshoots, but there must have once been a script that was nothing like this one. And then loads of people just got on the bandwagon for maybe a a couple of weeks of writing and went, yeah, let's just add that in. And, oh, let's just change that. And because 
essentially it's a witch film. You're, you're led to believe that this this girl it may or may not be a witch, and pretty quickly they show you that she is, you know, supernatural in some sense. And you're like, mm, okay, this might be quite cool. And it's all about the witch hunts and stuff like that, which I think is, you know, a cool topic. I mean, it's actually. It's actually um, what's it called? It's like the it's like the Wiccas, you know, like a Wiccan, yeah. the witches. Yeah, it's the Wiccan uh, May Day today. Oh yeah, you know, of I know course. it's May yeah, Day, yeah. but they call it Bel Beltan or something like Happy Beltan from <laughs> uh, from the pagans of the country, which is great. And and then, I mean, I don't know how quickly you want to get into it because basically nothing happens until the end. Well, let's get not... let's get into that because the end. I very much felt like I was watching an episode of Buffy. <laughs> I couldn't believe what happened. I just, I couldn't believe what was going on. Like there we are with like these, we're there with the witches and some adventurous type things have happened. Nothing at all. Nick hasn't basically done anything. I think he shouted once for a second and I thought, Oh God, we're going to no, And then there's nothing. But yeah. And then all of a sudden you find out she's not actually even a witch. Right. That's that's what happens. Yeah, it was a possession story all along, because along their (laughs) way as well, all it is is just a poor excuse to kind of do a, like, picking off each kind of, like, lesser-known character. One of them, I had no idea who he was until I was like, oh, oh, wait a second, this guy's talking a lot about his daughter. (laughs) Why are they building him up? Why are they building up this character? Oh, it's because he's going to die. Yeah, he, he's he's he wasn't established in the first half hour of the film. All of a sudden, they're giving him like loads of backstory really quickly, and it's just yeah. an excuse for the the demon in in the guise of this woman to. That's when I really knew it was a yeah. That's when I really knew it was a bad film. When when if they'd just gone along with the witch aspect, they could have really at least had a film about witches, about witch hunting. I mean. What I was going to say is, like, it, it, it turns out that it's an exorcism. They need to do an exorcism because it's actually not a witch. At one point, before you find out that it's not a witch, really, she turns into what looks like a bat, and you think, is she a fucking vampire? What is going on <laughs> in this fucking film? Right, it's just throwing, like, they're throwing holy water over everyone, and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. And then, I mean, what would you have done? If you had Nicolas Cage, and there was like they said, let's have a witch, let's make a witch film. Let's make a film about the witch hunts with Nicolas Cage, there's so many great ideas you could go with that. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you look, you look at um, Robert Eggers' The Witch, right. um, which is like a really like done in period dialect, very like austere and like dark film about like witches living in the woods and like corrupting right. people and stuff like that. Like very like, on the, yeah, that sounds on the, on the good. border of art house. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. this is just kind of, I don't know. It it's it's like a bad computer game by the end of it, right? Like like we, we get on, yeah. we get these CGI sequence. We get these possessed monks like coming at them, and there's this terrible, terrible CGI. Like I don't know. It, it's not like a puff of smoke, but they they realize very quickly. And I think Ron Perlman like says like. You gotta take off the head, and like they. Oh my like, god! Yeah, yeah. He's like they're like cockroaches. Yeah, again, again, like <laughs> hard, hard-boiled New York detective speech. Not. Yeah, it's difficult, man, because it really it 
it, that is what lets it down the most. Whoever's messed with the it's like producer came in halfway and said, we don't like any of this. Right. He's going to be a demon now. We're getting the Buffy guy to make him <laughs> make a demon out of it. And there's some demon wolves at some point that that's super Buffy. I know what you mean by that. Like their faces get turn exactly into those Buffy vampires. You know yeah. how they used to do that? Yeah. Well, there's that moment as well. The, the like demon when they get to Severak is looks exactly the same, but in grey as Tim Curry in the <laughs> like um, <laughs> in the Ridley Scott film Legend with Tom Cruise. If you've ever seen that, where he plays a Lucifer. I haven't. No, I haven't. But in a horrible grey, but worse. And Legend came out in 1980. yeah man i don't know but what's i mean cage like many films that cage is in at least that i've seen is is somehow carrying carrying the film somehow still i'm not sure how he's not really doing much but he's still keeping it going and maybe even it's it's strange plot twists and awful decisions that somehow kept me watching it as well i don't know why i thought what are they actually going to do now this well, I almost feel bad for Cage because I, I had a look into it and he learned to ride a horse and did like expen- like extensive training in like sword fighting for this film. And it's Great. like, wow, like <laughs> you did all of that for this? Yeah, yeah. Gutted on the Misfits dude as well because he's in a film with Cage and then, you know, it's got a five. What has it got on IMBD? Do you know? It's like 5.4. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's too kind. That's too kind. Rotten Tomatoes, eleven percent. So like, <laughs> I, yeah, like again, something that this is supposed to be inspired by is Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. I really think like if that were the case, and they were kind of going for like a Bergman aesthetic, and yeah that kind of filmmaking, this could have been a really interesting... That's what I mean. Yeah. All the pieces are there in the fact that the location, the setting, the subject matter, uh-huh. it's really interesting stuff. Like, looking at, like, the, the poster for this and kind of, like, going, oh, Cage in a film about, like, wit- like witches in, like, the Crusades. <laughs> it's like... Exactly, That's yeah. pretty fucking cool. Like, yeah. it's a bit of a departure. We've never really seen, yeah. seen him do anything, like, like period. And like, what's up the, until I, this point, like... It's about... It's kind of... They, they kill... Once they've got rid of this... Um, they think that this witch is bringing on... It's not a witch, is it? It's a demon. It's bringing on the plague, right? So it's about Nick Cage having to save the world from, from the plague which um we need we need him now yes. in real life we need <laughs> we need him out, we need him out there doing his cagey stuff but yeah um it is it's a terrible ending it's a ter- it, i wouldn't watch it again but i would actually urge people to watch it because if you're one of those people that likes to watch sort of like those kind of cra- those kind of crappy films that make you laugh they're so bad i think it can be put into that ca- category it's not bad enough to just be like total trash, but it's actually so bad it's pretty funny. I was I was lolling, man. Like for sure, I was actually laughing out loud at some of the most serious points of the film. Oh, definitely. Um, well, yeah. I've actually got a clip of Nick Nick himself talking about the story of this film. Uh, yeah, here we go. Let's have a let, let's have it from the horse's mouth. What what Brilliant. he kind of thinks is going on. 
the adventure is that he has to deliver this alleged witch, this young girl played by Clara Foy, to the Abbey of Severac for an exorcism. <laughs> he looks so depressed. And the church wants him to do that one last time, even though he has uh, renounced his uh, connection with the church. And he does it because he doesn't want them to do what he thinks they're going to do, which is give her an unfair trial and kill her anyway. And uh, along the way, uh, things begin to happen. Uh, spooky things. Uh, she starts to uh, become something other than what he initially believed, which is that she was just a puppet to be slain to help calm people's fears about the plague. Uh, but it turns out that she has some, some other power that uh, he really didn't count on. So that, wow. would he, would, like, he sounds as confused as we do. He right? sounds super confused about that. Like that how, how did anyone get that in a, an elevator pitch or whatever? You know? How did that film get made? That, it must be, like you say, it must be it got the green light and then all of a sudden just loads of people came in and just messed around with it or they did loads of reshoots because it's completely bizarre. Well, the reshoots were actually done by Brett Ratner of all people as well. Like someone who's, right. who's got like some kind of like pedigree in filmmaking. Like he's again, somebody worked with worked with cage and he brought in his own like editor to kind of, from from the sounds of it, he brought in his editor right. to kind of salvage what they had because, which is never a good sign. It sounds no. like this, like it's a real shame. Like this film was it came out in January two thousand eleven, and like January is notoriously known uh, as like kind of being like a bit of a a bit of a dumping ground for a lot of right, yeah, a lot of trash. Really, do you know what I mean? You either have yeah. You either have the like Oscar fair in the UK, like the kind of stuff like yeah, that's gonna mm-hmm. be gonna be nominated for the Oscars, or you kind of have stuff that they wanna just get rid of. Like, like we spent all this money making it, let's just release it, like it will get lost in the fray like get against all these yeah, like serious awards contenders. <laughs> Shame, man. Shame. I mean he's got They've got it's got a good thing in the if they were, I mean, actually, no, it's from the beginning, from the very beginning, it it sort of ruins the witchiness about it immediately because that buffiness you're talking about comes out in the very first scene before you see Cage, and then by the end of it, because I mean, like, what I keep thinking about with this film is how good a different witch film, like, uh, you know, even just something. as popular as like the Salem trials or something like that, how good that would be with cage in it or, or any ideas. I mean, any idea apart from that, that idea would be better. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Well, he wants, yeah. Yeah. He said himself, like he was attracted to the project because he saw it as a tribute to the movies of Roger Corman from like the 1960s, like a lot of stuff that would have starred, christopher lee and vincent price and then when sure, he saw that sure. christopher lee was going to be in the movie he was like well, well i'm sorry yeah yeah i mean you would be wouldn't you like you would be you'd think man this is going to be brilliant which of course there's uh 
there's a connection between those two then, isn't there? With the um, with the Wicker Man, right? Is that Christopher yes. Lee? There is, isn't it? The Wicker, he's in the original Wicker Man. Yeah, of course. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Nicolas Cage is in the remake of the Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I guess yeah, that this is the chance that they came full circle. So you can see why he wanted at least to like be in the same movie as him, man. Yeah. It's... That is... That, that, you know, it ended up looking into witches. Generally. Oh, per- perfect. Yeah, I want right. to hear your... I found some crazy stuff about witches, man. I mean... Firstly, because my um, other half is from Exeter, and um, that's where the last the last witch was hung in England. Wow! Um, they've they've got a you know like a memorial to her there. Yeah, she was called she was called Alice, which is the same name as my other half. So she really <laughs> loves that. Yeah, that but that was quite a long time ago, man. So which is good. But the, then I found out that a witch was. A woman was arrested in 1944 in the UK and jailed for nine months under sort of witchcraft, basically. She was a woman that did seances. And, oh. um, yeah, it's an incredible story. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she, she, what was, she, she would do seances for people. And I think she did a, a sort of, she was a spirit medium. And she did a seance for this couple whose son was an, in the Navy and he was on a boat. And she told them that the boat had sunk and that the guy was dead. And then when the military found out about it, they arrested her because that boat had, in fact, sunk, but they hadn't released the documents because they wanted to keep morale up. So they thought she was like a spy. And they arrested her for nine months that is, <laughs> for witchcraft. That is... Bit, oh, no. That is... See, see that, that, that story you just told me is better than the plot of this film. Without a doubt, that's what I mean. Yeah, her name was Helen Duncan. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Cage could have played the father of the couple. That also, I don't know. Well, yeah, if you had turned round to me and said that, like, oh, and then and then it turned out that actually she was possessed by a demon. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Like, which is very much how I felt about it. Like, when it got to that point, I was like, you're having your cake and eating it because this is either, either you're just adding to the thing of like a what like do you know what I mean that she is a witch. So then, all, all, all the all the suspicions are right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, and then, man. Or, or it's you get to the end and she's not a witch, and it's just it's just quite it's quite I don't know it's like a deflated balloon by the end of it. Whereas like they kind of get to have their cake and eat it because like we get the paranormal. We don't like. We don't get the like. We don't get the disappointing ending by just her. Bit like she is a witch. Yeah. So here's this. We, we need a twist. Oh, it's this fucking blob of CGI like bat thing. And even the way they have, even the way they like kill, like the way to defeat it is terrible. Like it, I, I felt like yeah, I was, like yeah. Well, at the at the same point, so that bit at the end, so you've got you've got the witch who now isn't a witch, and she just flew off like a bat. Is she a vampire? And then a few minutes later, you've got this big, like Buffy CGI devil thing with wings, and then 
he somehow possesses all of the dead monks with the plague. So then you've got zombie dead monks <laughs> with the plague running around, like stabbing people with crucifixes. I mean, it's just with Cage dressed up like a crusader with his sword training, thinking, how, how did I get here? I mean, you got to wonder, man. It, it, it really is a really is such an interesting dude. I mean, what <laughs> Well, and and his fate in this, like, what that's the one thing I didn't see happening is both, like, first of all, like, Ron Perlman gets hugged by the demon (laughs) (laughs) and and burns to ashes in a matter of minutes. Yeah, 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 and then, um, yeah, go on, yeah. And then, like, yeah, the way to defeat this demon is to just recite a passage from the Bible. It's so lukewarm, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure... Um, Cage, Cage, after seeing um, the demon hug Perlman to death, Cage essentially is trying to do the same thing back to the demon. He's like hugging him while Misfits guy reads. Well, yeah. he, like it's pretty, it's like a pretty cool moment when he like stabs the demon in both wings with like these kind of crucifix-looking yeah. knives. <laughs> yeah, that's the bit. All of a sudden, he's become a ninja turtle, and he's got these kind of two knives in his back pockets. Yeah, proper Leonardo. And then it's like, yeah, holding the demon up against what? Well, he recites a Bible passage, and it's just like, come on. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit, <laughs> and like, and because it just like, oh, I, I think it is the CGI. It, it is the level of like a PlayStation Four game. Like, so it just kept reminding me of, like, that, like, this generation of, like, consoles. And I was just like... Mm-hmm. And then he uh, and then but, he dies, right? Then yeah. he dies, too. But, like, so, yeah, to the point I was going to make was, like, if you'd got to the end of a game and that is how you had to defeat the last boss, it's quite disappointing, right? <laughs> I, I would say that that would sum up the... The film in some ways but then i suppose in other ways i did think it looked bad but i didn't like i didn't see the trailer which uh um i just looked at the what's it called the you know the the cover i looked at the cover on google i just googled it and saw the cover and thought it's gonna be disappointing i sort of <laughs> felt like and also i didn't even hear uh the song season of the witch at all in the movie but I am. I, I thought I, I found a Lana Del Rey cover of that song. Wow! Have you heard? Yeah, I think Lana Del Rey covered "Season of the Witch" by Donovan for um for that movie because I found her song. But then in the movie, it's not even there, and that would have at least made it a bit better to hear <laughs> to hear the song and sung by Lana Del Rey. Well, it's quite a good cover. She she sang it for this movie. It well, it, I had that idea but then it can't you know maybe she didn't of course 2011 was she around then i don't know i'm not sure well that would have been fantastic if she did (laughs) yeah well if not she's got a cover of it so maybe that's why she did it after that makes sense but at least could have used donovan's cover it could have just been a biopic of donovan with cage playing donovan (laughs) that would be better season of the witch i was going to do a cover for you season of the witch but um i just I learned it and then I was like it's just a weird song and uh, I didn't get around to it but I, I did write half a cover of a different song with Nicolas Cage lyrics for you which I'll either send to you or I might play for a bit perfect yeah. that is that is exactly what we want uh, 
with this film, like you've already said, you would recommend this, right? You would, you would, you would. I would say, well, I would say watch it, but it's like it's super bad, and only you know if you've got other things to do, like the washing up, just do that instead. Yeah, I would say unless you're a cage completist like myself, yeah, d- d- don't bother. Uh, I've actually uh, gotten a quote from a gentleman on IMDb. Uh, his, <laughs> right. his, his his name jumped out to me. His name is Dick Steele, um, right. and and this is his closing point on the film. Under Dominic Senna's vision, you'd know what to expect when you scan through the resume. Be responsible for the flicks like Whiteout, Swordfish, and yet another Nicolas Cage starrer in Gone in 60 Seconds. They're no more than guilt trips with potential not lived up to. So don't expect a classic or a masterpiece, but at least, but best entertainment that will struggle to satisfy the jaded audience <laughs> i mean jesus that guy that guy is jaded he was a dick then and he's a dick still <laughs> his his like th- this is a small quote from a, a lengthy uh review of the film yeah kind, kind of like telling telling the general public basically that we're all like we expect too much from this film, and I don't think we do. I don't, I don't, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think like, so. <laughs> from watching it, like it's like I I totally understand films are films are hard to make, and obviously there's scripts never turn out as the way that they're sure sure supposed to be. But at the same time, this is this is vastly disappointing considering the caliber of actors we have on screen and the subject matter we have just kind of like that that sandbox to play in is fantastic like yeah you're right you're right it is hugely disappointing So we've talked about scores, Joe, and there's a way that I actually score Nicolas Cage films. Uh, okay. Which is um, either free, free, free point system scoring. Uh, totally of my own making. It, it doesn't add up to numbers. And I, I don't even know what it tells me yet. I'm just kind of <laughs> answering these questions as I go along. And then I guess at the end, I'll figure out like, Maybe like a moment of divine intervention. Maybe God will speak to me and send me on a crusade to to, to do what I need to do. But it's, it's just three simple questions. And the first one is, does Nick have bad hair in this movie? Well, that is actually quite tough because I'd never seen his hair like that. Yes, he has bad hair. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it, though. Yeah, well, from watching The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which like was his film previous to this, right? Well, like again, this was supposed to come out in two thousand and ten, so like it could have been the one it, that this could have been shot before that. He has, very, he has very similar hair. Um, and, yeah, my se- my second point that I go by is: Does Nicolas Cage have a crazy voice at all? Obviously, we think of like. He is known for doing these, yeah. like just voices that almost 
come from another planet? Uh, the the answer is no. He doesn't have a crazy Nick voice in it. It's 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 disappointing, right? It's very like yeah, yeah. I really was thinking about it. I might have said it a minute ago, but I was thinking, I was watching it thinking, he hasn't even raised his voice, which at least get him to shout at people because that's always brilliant. And then as I said it, as I thought it, sorry, he did shout once, but that was the only time. Yeah. You get excited. I got. I, I'm not sure about you. I got. I got excited at that moment. It's when. Yeah. <laughs> he's decided he's going to kill the 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 girl. The witch. The, yeah. yeah. They're, they're transporting. Exactly. And yeah, it's, it's like, a great moment. Oh, like, you think he's going to yeah. go psycho? Yeah. <laughs> and there was so much opportunity at the end. Like, if it was, if this was like some kind, if at the end he went full rage cage, like. <laughs> Yeah, if, exactly. If they kept the monks coming like the crazy eighty-eight in like Kill Bill, like it was, I don't know. It's quite lukewarm that there's probably about three monks. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they're all they're all really they're all really old men to begin with before they yeah. died. Now now they've got with the plague. Now they're zombies. I mean, they're not gonna not gonna touch Cage. So yeah, no, he hasn't got he hasn't got the voice. And then the last point is, and and I'm quite. I, I know going into this question, I'm going to be disappointed because I know the answer. <laughs> but is do we get a Nick Cage freak out? Obviously, a man who is renowned for a for a real pot like boil over in a film. <laughs> I mean, like a, a pot really boiling over. Yeah, yeah, his juicy juicy freaks out. No, there isn't. There isn't any of that, man. This is I, no. Does that mean that this is scored basically a zero on the cageometer of yours, isn't it? Because surely the answers—I don't know, like you say—but the answer of good hair wants to be yes. Normally, yeah, yeah. Like from you what... want that to be a yes, don't you? I mean, that's an attractive thing. I'm going to watch this movie with Nick Cage in. Has he got good hair in it? No. Well, maybe I won't watch it. Well, normally, like it, it could be two things. It's either like the good hair is a sign that. The film has budget. Do you know what I mean? It's like that thing of you know, you know, you know when artists ask for ludicrous demands, like uh, musicians when like when Elton John will be like, I, I, I want a, I want a pony painted pink in my dressing room before I play. It, it, it's known, it's known to, it's known that that is not a matter of he actually wants a pony, but it's like if you have managed to go to the detail of reading my like checklist of things I want. Mm-hmm. And you've got that right, then I'm gonna be at ease that you're gonna look after me, and that like the technical specs we've sent through, that you've got all of that right. That the venue, I under- yeah, I understand that. So the good hair is is uh, so yeah, that's a telling. Yeah, it's a it's a telling sign that the film's got the budget, like because obviously his ha- his hair is going like w- like a, a real low point in his career is the film Next. It is like. A jumped up straight to di- no, well, no, straight to like TV movie. That is, <laughs> I like, haven't seen it. And he has hair which has been parodied and memed, where it genuinely looks like he's got an eagle atop of his head. <laughs> Great stuff! I'm going to be looking at that. <laughs> so, Would that be good hair or bad hair? Though that's bad that's, hair. It's bad. That's bad it, hair. It's really right. bad hair. It's really right. Bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And yes. Then, and then, like, this film isn't coming like coming up for a while yet, but we look at something like Mandy just because it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Not bad hair at all. 
fucking no. fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very cool hair, really. Yeah, cool hair. Yeah. Like, I see where you're bit, going with it, man. The crazy voice as well. The crazy voice is normally a sign that we're getting, <laughs> at least, like, we're getting something, even if it's a glimmer of something, even if there's, like, there will be moments where he pulls some line out of the bag that makes you, if you weren't paying attention, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What was that? Like, <laughs> where's he gone with that? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you get a line from Cage that sounds like it's from another movie, you're like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. this, it's, I don't know. It's like he recorded his dialogue and then they turned it right down in the mix. Yeah, it's tepid. Uh, before I let you go, Joe, I just wanted to talk about like there's a, there's one moment I don't I don't know why I want to talk about it, but there is a moment like of a a sword fight between Robert Sheehan's character and Ron Perlman's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that in that moment for me, like all I could think about, and this film does it a lot. It makes you think about other films so for me in that moment all i could think about was monty python and the holy grail (laughs) the black knight (laughs) right i know i know exactly what you mean man it was that was such a bad moment of the film as well because it it went back to your sort of buddy cop thing as well you've got like a kid who wants to join the gang You know, and he's like, he's he's cussed the senior figure of the mob, and now he has to have a beating. I can, I can. man. What's the guy called from uh, Misfits? I keep calling him Misfits guy. Robert Sheehan. Robert Sheehan, yeah, Robert Sheehan, man, bless him, bless him. That was Python esque, wasn't it? Yeah, and there's so many, there's so many points where it it does harken to other films where you're like, ah. Oh. And I think if any film does that, unless it's like a knowing gag, like it is, it is just a sign of like if you, if if you're reminded of Monty Python, you're like I'd much rather be watching the Holy Grail Monty right Pro- now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Or like I, I, the last time I watched Buffy, I was like a prepubescent boy with uh-huh. like a pro like a problem for for hard ons at the most like irresponsible <laughs> moments and like i really fancied sarah michelle geller um he didn't when buffy was out man everyone did of course but like i haven't watched that since then and like even like this film i was going oh i might i'd rather be sticking on season one <laughs> episode one box set right now yeah i mean i'm i'm pretty sure i really liked buffy definitely and not just because of sarah michelle um but I actually did like it. I loved that shit, man. That was like, oh yeah, yeah. That... I, I I loved it, but like the, the fact that I'm being taken away. You'd rather like... watch that now than Season of the Witch. Yeah, th- definitely. I wa- I mean, that's a recommendation. Don't watch Season of the Witch. Just watch Buffy Season One. Just... Yeah, it, even even watch the very bad Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie that came <laughs> out before. That like came out years before. Like yeah, like not even with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Watch that. Watch that, like, and I, I, I like, I hate to, I hate to shit on films, but this one, like, yeah, I think the reason I feel disappointed is, I've, yeah, as we've said, like, throughout this, it's 
there was so much potential for so 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 much good yeah in it yeah what so what have we learned about cage in this film what is it that that around this time he was struggling like money like money <laughs> <laughs> right that's it yeah <laughs> Well, something I've I've learned a lot is just just by looking at, um, go like having the hiatus that I did on this podcast and coming back is I was halfway through his discography, but I'd managed to get up to two thousand and nine. So in the space of ten years, Nicolas Cage has released half of the films oh that he's ever released. That man, that is. It's pretty magnificent. Yeah, we're talk- we're talking about a man who is like close to a thirty year career. <laughs> he was really just having a lot of fun way back in the day, and now he's like, "Oh, I got to get to work." It is true, though. You know, didn't he say? Sorry, didn't he say something along the lines of when someone asked him why he does so many movies? Did did he reply in some way like uh, he said, "Well." I'm an actor, you know. No one has a go at football players when they play too many games or something like that. I think he might have said something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I might be wrong. And I kind of agree with him. I kind of agree with him. But he's, but I mean, he's not a football player. He's an actor. So I massively agree with him as well. And like, regardless of what his reasons are, whether they're financial or you, ne- I guess you never know what is going to be a hit and what's going to be a miss. So it's better yeah, to. Sure. Spread your bets, and maybe you'll get a bit of a like return, as opposed to like not 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 placing the bet at all and go, still going home, not having yeah. had the risk, and uh-huh. not ha- having the win or the like. Do you know what I mean? In um, that sense, it's inspiring. In that sense, the film can be inspiring, and Cage is inspiring for it. Yeah, yeah. A win and a lose both emit an a, an emotion that like. Is some kind of joy in even when you like yeah, even if you take that gamble and lose, it's still yeah. a rush. It's still a rush. Yeah, because absolutely. You, because you know, like, it's probably it's probably like humbling for someone like Cage in that he can like he can do a real stinker of a movie. Then it's like, ah, oh, the expectations off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're a Leonardo DiCaprio, like, really, really, like. Sure, yeah, sure. Really, like, do you know what I mean? Like, testing out, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. Like, very, very picky about his choices. You're, it's it's just, you're going to be racked with anxiety constantly because you're going to be like, <laughs> how, how can I live up to Django Unchained? I'm going yeah. to have to do this. I'm going to have to only work with, like, the top-tier directors. Do you know what I mean? Like, Leonardo DiCaprio has just pigeoned himself in the, yeah, pigeonholed himself in the fact that, he can only work with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, the elite. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and Martin Scorsese, like, he's not really going to branch out unless somebody, like, resurrects Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, yeah. And Cage is going out there, putting bets down. Like, I'm pretty sure if, if, I, man, if, I, if, I, could, if I could rustle up 10K... <laughs> man we should do it we should do it come on <laughs> the kickstarter's going live now <laughs> yeah yeah oh, if, man. i'm sure if 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 like 
got a decent like that. That's why I like him. He's very, he's very much in the same ilk as Danny Trejo. That they Danny will Trejo. say, they will say yes to anything, and it sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. But when it pays off, it's good. Oh yeah. But when it doesn't, it's season of the witch. But <laughs> that's perfectly put, man. Perfectly put. <laughs> Well, Joe, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast. But before I let you go, you obviously host tonight with Bob and Joe. Um, That's correct. You guys have recently come out of a similar length hiatus. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I mean, almost the same, really. Yeah. <laughs> with with your second se- second season of Tonight with Bob and Joe, could you please explain to people what this kind of new avenue of the podcast sure. is yeah sure well firstly it's because um the podcasting world isn't the same without you petros we did we, <laughs> we were out but um what what our new our new season is about it's called bob and joe's infinite pub crawl so it's it's what it sounds like we we wanted to drink in every single pub in brighton uh that was the goal and so we we tried to do it, you know, and we took we took our mics out and we went to every single pub and we recorded, you know, a bit in each one, maybe about half an hour. And each episode's probably got about four to five pubs in it. We've got about 12 episodes recorded so far. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. It's it really is just me and Bob sat in the pub talking about the pub, probably. But generally, as you can imagine, by the end of the show, it's hard to tell what either of us are talking about, really. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I listened back to, to it. I listened back to it the other day and I was like, oh, my God, like, what, what, <laughs> what is this stuff? Um, we've actually got a, we've actually got another venture that we're that we all spoke about um, once upon a time called Do Your Best. You yes, remember? yes. The, 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 um, yeah, Bob. Um... Many of you will remember Bob because he became somewhat of a a um, a stalwart on 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 occasion in podcast, being my my right hand man at, at times when I needed when I needed a guest. Bob was like Petros, he's got a Nicolas Cage film and he's got beer. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob has told me told me very much yes so we're gonna we're gonna um we've realized that of course we can't do as much as we want we can't go out into the woods really with um, a scoutmaster and do like the more exciting camping styled badges but we can do badges you know indoors there are there are other badges to get things like the art badge or the community badge or the science badge so the uh do your best podcast is an idea that all three of us have had kicking around that's right for, for very many years, which is a adult version of the Scouts in which week to week we try and get the badges that is normally reserved for for boys at the age of 12. But yeah, we're yeah. going to see if, if yeah. three men in their uh, like late 20s to early 30s can manage <laughs> to do that whilst consuming alcohol. And yeah. That's exactly it. So, um, what would happen? Will it make us better people for society, or will we I think, still be the reprobates I think it, we are? 
I think uh, I think both of those things it will do. I think it will make us better people. I mean, I looked at some of these, you know, there's one called like the art badge and I looked at that and I read it up and it said you have to design and draw a character, you know, do the front cover of your journal. Um, and I thought, I actually haven't done these things before. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've drawn a lot of pictures or whatever, you know, but I've never done these specific ones. And they do seem like the real basics. So I think there's something to it. And if you're willing to soon in the next few weeks, we'll, me, you and Bob will get together and get that damn art badge, man. Perfect. Well, that's, that, that's an exclusive here for all of you guys. Uh, look out <laughs> for Do Your Best. Uh, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, been great, man. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Take care, man. Well, wasn't that fantastic? Uh, thanks again to Joe for being on the podcast and talking this film with me. So, how did the Anagram Hunter do this week with his Anagram? Well. I could very, very, very happily say that I would much rather be watching The Fast Shah Ice. I'm sure it would have been much more entertaining, funny and daring than this film. It kind of felt like a film that was made by a committee and maybe along the way there was something good in there, but all the rough edges got taken away and we got this kind of boiled, gloopy mess of a stew as opposed to something that could have been great, especially with the talent we had on screen and the subject matter we were tackling, but it just fell a little bit flat. So you guys, uh, join me next week when I will be talking to Todd Farmer, the writer and actor in Drive Angry. Nicolas Cage plays a from what I know, <laughs> a hell beast driver. And yeah, the writer has kindly agreed to come talk to me about it. So it'll kind of be a bit of a mishmash of an episode of a bit of me just kind of talking about the film. And then we'll cut to a little interview I'm going to have with him. So hope to see you next week. And as always, I've been Petrus Patsilovus. You've been amazing. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. I've been caged in. I'm going to stay caged in. We're all going to stay caged in forever and ever and ever till the pandemic gets every last one of us. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.